So we are in the middle of a, actually this is the end. I am the end of this beautiful series called But Why? Um, Why did Jesus have to die? Have you been enjoying all of our people? I'm a, I need talk back. I'm a very like interactive person. So I hope I'm going to ask questions. You can feel free to talk back to me. Don't worry about that. Um, We've been walking through the book of Ephesians. Um, and it's been incredible. So I want to do a couple, uh, uh, just a little bit of a recap. So Pastor Jermaine, um, he talked about Jesus disarming the powers, rulers, and principalities in Jesus's sacrifice on the cross and the resurrection. Pastor Duke talked about how we are reconciled to God, brought near, adopted as sons and daughters, so that we can live with him and he can live with us. And last week, Pastor Stephen brought a killer word about Christ making peace for us, giving us peace, and now making us agents of peace. If I'm being honest with you, this, as I've read, I've lived in Ephesians probably for the last week. It's wrecked me in really good ways. I think we get so familiar with the story that it loses its power and impact on us. Or rather, we stop letting it take up residence in us and impact us in the way that Christ intended it to. Um, A couple of weeks ago, it was Easter. Jackie Hill Perry, um, who's one of my favorites, she put this quote up. Let's see if my guys got it. I sent this last minute to them. Yay! Okay. She said this, There tends to be a disconnect among Christians regarding the resurrection. We know how to dress up for it, how to celebrate it, how to sing about it, But, is there a typo in there? That's me, sorry. Um, But, have we learned how to live in light of it? The resurrection is both a historical event and an avenue of present power. We don't want the resurrection as, uh, as if it were only a past tense reality. Christ's victory over sin and death is practical for the Christian in that it changes everything. So tonight, I'm going to talk from this thought, everything is different now. And my three points, take off the old, put on the new, and walk in love. Now, we have a tradition here, and we're about to read a lot of scripture. (laughs) I just want to warn you ahead of time that we stand for the reading of the word. So would you join, would you stand and join me in reading Ephesians 4, 17 through chapter 5. Verse 2, oh yes, oh yes. Hold please as I pull this up. Okay, here we go. I'm reading from the NLT version, and it says this. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from, from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 
So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. We're almost at the end. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let's pray. Oh, God, thank you. Lord, we, I don't know. I don't know why you, um, you came. We do know why. But in our own fleshly way, we don't know why you would give up your entire life to save us. People who hated you, who crucified you in order to reconcile us back to yourself. And then you didn't stop there. God, you gave us your name and you gave us a new identity. So Lord, I thank you that in this moment, as we seek to see you, Jesus, that you would reveal yourself to us tonight. God, that we would walk out of this place and be sure and know that the resurrection still has the same power today that it did 2,000 years ago, that we are new creations in Christ Jesus, that we don't have to be the same because you have died and resurrected. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Okay. That was a lot, but it was good. Um, have you ever met a mean Christian? Oh, we're saying this out loud. Okay, great. All right. I did say that I like talk back. Um, you, don't have, you didn't have to answer that one out loud. Um, uh, have you ever met a bound up broken believer? You don't. Oh, there we go. You know what I realize is that we are trying. A lot of Christians are trying to sell something that we may actually believe, but our daily life looks nothing like what we profess. It's like the person that cuts you off in traffic. <laughs> and then they look at you from their window screaming. Only for them to get in front of you, for you to see on their bumper, it says, what would Jesus do? <laughs> if we're really honest tonight, what we preach is oftentimes very different from how we live. I think we can look at some of the things we see happening in our world, right? Right now, you have things coming to the top of your mind, and we feel a dissonance. 
there's frustration, there's anger, there's disappointment. Because especially as believers, we know that it shouldn't be this way. Right? We know there's, this is not how it's supposed to be. But how do we know that if it wasn't for the cross and the resurrection? I think we've been asking this question week in and week out, but why? Why did Jesus have to die? Is for that right there. So that we can have a new reality. So that we can have a new standard by which we can judge the world, right? We can judge ourselves. We can look and say, hey, this isn't how it's supposed to be in me. This isn't how it's supposed to be in the world. And now I have something to compare it to. Before that, we had nothing to compare it to. We didn't have the power to do it either. And so I want to do an illustration really. um, Actually, let me do this first. One of my favorite movies is I Am Legend. Has anybody seen it? Okay, yes. Um, For the other people who haven't seen it, the movie's been out 10 years. I'm not spoiling anything. Um, (laughs) So I'll just do a quick rundown. Will Smith is the lead character. His name is Legend. Um, We see at the beginning that mankind... Uh, He's living in kind of a zombie world. This is before the pandemic. This is before all of the zombie movies. Um, (laughs) How did we get here? Uh, We see that man wanted to protect themselves from all types of sickness. So they created a vaccine that went horribly wrong. Instead of it um, making them superhuman, it made them monsters. So he's walking around because he's the only, he thinks he's the only one left of the humankind. Everybody else has kind of been taken over by this zombie apocalypse. Um, but he soon, find, he soon finds out that he's not the only one. He's not the only one who's still a human. Um, fast forward, the zombies break into, find out where he is. They break into his house, blah, blah, blah. He realizes as one of his friends, who's a human too, gets bitten by the zombie, and it's, this virus is slowly taking over their body to create in them um, a monster, the cure for them is in his blood. I'm just going to leave it right there real quick so that it catches up with some other people what I just said. This is what Ephesians is all about. Paul is not talking to non-believers. He's talking to believers, which is crazy. But what he's saying in Ephesians is all throughout history, man's best effort to save themselves, to promote themselves, to define themselves, only ends up in killing us or leaving us in worse shape. And just like Will Smith discovers, the reality is that there's power in the blood. We cannot save ourselves. But more than that, I want to use an illustration. So can my guys come to the, um, come on, let's clap for them. (laughs) I love this so much. Here we go. All right. So I'm going to explain this illustration, um, not too deep before we get started, but JC is going to represent Jesus Christ. JC. (laughs) 
Um, Keith is going to represent, are you the powers and the rulers and authorities? Yes. He's the bad guy. And DJ is us. So don't you love it? I love it. Okay, here you go. All right. So sin is bondage, right? So it's this. It's not just, it is iniquity. So it's, it's our bent away from God that we are all born with. It's iniquity. But it also, what Paul is talking about in the book of Ephesians, is that there is a principality and power of sin and death. So it's ruling in all these different ways. What we see here is, try to move around, DJ. This is us in our normal you do some other things, you know? Oh, okay, no. Throw that out. All right. Oh, he's holding it. Okay, and you're still caught on. There's this song that says, every time I try to leave, something keeps calling me back. That is what sin is. No matter how far you get away from it, it keeps pulling you back. You're tied to it. And what Jesus does is he comes around. We didn't ask him to do this. No, you have to come to the front, JC. Okay. All right. (laughs) He comes to the front. This is what Jesus does. He lives the life we ought to live. So he becomes the representation of humanity. But not only that, so he dies in our place. He embraces us. He cuts the power. (laughs) Bye-bye. So not only does he take away the power, but he also takes the reins from those principalities and powers. So now he has the reins. And what's beautiful is that he ties himself to us. (laughs) But this is where we, most of us live, right? We've learned a different way to walk. We've been bound in a different way to talk, to treat ourselves, to treat others. Even our thought patterns have changed. And so that's why God, Jesus, binds himself to us. That's what Pastor Duke talked about two weeks ago. When we live cheek to cheek with Jesus, we invite him to invade every part of our life. And not only do that, but teach us how to walk and talk a new way. Yes, look at God. Let's clap for my illusion. You guys don't have to stay tied together. (laughs) They were going down the stairs together. I love it so much. But this is the power of the resurrection and the cross. I think sometimes we forget this is what he did on the cross for us. It's easy to get so familiar, thank you, Jesus, wow, you're so awesome, and not realize that he took the power of sin and death out of the hands of the, of the principalities, and that now we have the ability to choose to do different. Before, we didn't have the ability to choose to do different. We were bound. Because of Jesus' death, we are no longer foreigners and strangers. Because of Jesus' death, we are brought near. We are a part of the covenant family. 
Because of Jesus' death, we, know we are no longer enslaved to our own desires and the systems that keep our desires in place. Because of his resurrection, we have hope, we have victory, we have relationship, we have access, we have peace, we have truth, we have a new way to look at ourselves, we have redemption, we have deliverance. I could keep going on about the benefits of the cross and the resurrection, but what I realize, there's a scripture that says this. Perfect love cast out all fear, right? I heard this somewhere, so I'm just going to say that I said it because um, I can't remember who said it anymore. But they said this. Any place that I still fear means that perfect love hasn't fully taken root. So any place that you don't have victory over, the resurrection power of Jesus has not fully taken root. Because what would happen if we actually lived into the reality of the cross and the resurrection? Everything, and I mean everything, would be changed. So why don't we? I think the scripture shows us in Ephesians what we read is that we have to constantly take off the old. Old mindsets, old thought patterns, old behaviors, old habits, old relationships, all of the old things that lead to death. So I have um, a cousin who is now six, seven. He's 20 years old. He's very tall. Um, when he was a baby, um, not a baby, but a little one, I babysat them for a summer. And he would play outside all day, run around. This is before tablets and stuff. Um, and uh, if, if you have kids, who has kids or has little siblings or something like that, you know that there's an age where they don't smell themselves. I'll just leave it at that. He had been playing outside all day, um, and he was fully convinced. He thought that he could just go to bed in those clothes and wake up for, uh, for a new day because he didn't know what he really smelled like because he couldn't smell himself. Some of us won't even come into the house with our outside shoes on or allow our outside clothes to touch the bed but we think we can walk in this new life with Christ with our old habits, our old behaviors, our old lives. It's not, it doesn't work. This is for me. So I hope I, this is for me too. This is not, this is for all of us, y'all. That's what he basically Ephesians. He's saying, I know you can read it singular English is a hard language to translate. If you are, um, you speak any other languages, you know, that words are more nuanced um, so when he says you in Ephesians, he's talking about y'all, all of us, Texas. So you can read it like that. Um, as if Christ is 
directing us, leading us, empowering us to lay down those things and to follow him. But what I love about Christ in that illustration is that he doesn't leave us to do it on our own. He empowers us by his Holy Spirit to renew our minds. He gives us his word. And the more, uh, Pastor Brett says this, and you can say it with me, read your Bible. And every day. And let your Bible read you. And listen to your Bible. I think for a lot of us, it's easy to say, yes, I checked that box. I read my Bible. I have my 365-day streaks. And it not do any transformative work in your heart and your soul. And that's what Paul is talking about. Don't let it just be words and talk. But let your life actually show that. You know, and this is, this is what I gathered from Ephesians. Why does Christ want us individually to be transformed in this way? Because all of us together reflect an image, a witness to the world about what it really looks like to live under God's good governance. And not only that, but we can display a prophetic voice that says the brokenness that this world is experiencing, we have a way out. But if we're broken, if we're backbiting, if we're mean, if we're living broke down, bound up, why would they want the thing that we're saying has transformed our life? Because it really hasn't. We have the name, but we don't dribble like MJ at all. We're like me, which is I watch the NBA finals when the finals come on. I don't know who's playing. I don't know what their names are. I have a jersey in my closet that stays in there and comes out one time a year during the playoffs. Like, don't be that Christian. Be the Christian that's in the game. All right. Praise God. This is a very hard word, but I think we all need it. I know I need it. Um, As I read this more and more and more, I realized, Lord, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to do it. Thank you. (laughs) Man, our world is broken. Our world is hurting. And we have the cure. And we've somehow lost it in our backpacks. And that convicted me because I walk by people in Target, in the grocery store, who are dying. They're making bad decisions. They're broken. They're lonely. They're hurting. And I know the one who can save them. Do I share it with them? Does my life display the sweet aroma that it talks about in Ephesians 5 that draws people and say, what is that? You're different. And I think the more and more that we take off the old, bitterness, anger, malice, back-talking, 
gossip, hating our, our, our fellow humans, the more that we display this new life and this new identity that we've been given, the more a sweet aroma of Christ will be radiating in our world. So putting on the new, what is the new? What would it look like if we lived into this new reality, this new identity every day? I love clothes, and so <laughs> one of my favorite things is new, different types of clothes. Um, you know, all the fashion trends, I love it. But what if we clothed ourselves with righteousness instead of the new trendy bell-bottom jeans? What does it mean to put on love and patience? What if I didn't find my worth in what I could achieve and earn for myself, but what I could receive from Jesus? What if I treated myself with dignity and worth and not gave my body away just to be held? What if instead of telling someone off and giving them a piece of my mind and flying off the handle and saying whatever came to my mind, I submitted my mouth to the lordship of Jesus? You know what I realized in, in reading through this is this new kingdom reality that was inaugurated on the cross and with the resurrection, this new identity that Jesus has brokered in his own body for us. Do you realize that? You have been given a new identity because of what Jesus did on the cross. And you have power because of his resurrection. This is the vision that makes Martin Luther King's dream make sense. Because outside of the Christ reality, it doesn't make sense. How can different races, different ethnicities come together and not be judged by their skin color or their thought, you know, but could be judged by the content of their character? It's a kingdom reality he was trying to reflect to us. But the world killed him, too, for it. But what if we actually, as the church, lived into that reality? What if people came in here from all different walks of life, rich, poor, handicapped, able-bodied, all of these different things, and found a safe place here? What if they weren't turned away, scandalized, even the scandalized people? I heard a story about this that broke my heart. Carl Lentz, we all know, maybe you don't know him. He was the pastor of um, Hillsong, New York. Um, he had an indiscretion and fell, um, and him and his family tried to go to different churches just to sit and find healing. He was turned away from almost all of them except for one. This is us. This is what we're doing. So who wants to be in the world if it's same, same? If it's same in here and it's same out there, then I might as well be out there because I can do whatever I want to do. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? What if people found safety and healing here? This is the reality that is brokered through Jesus' cross and resurrection for us. 
that we now have the power to live into. We're not powerless anymore. Because of the Holy Spirit, I can get up today and I can say no to sin. I didn't have that ability before it, before receiving Jesus. And so if you have not received Jesus, I want to also show this picture of what is. Yay. Okay. There's a typo. So, you know, it's real. (laughs) It's, It's me. This is what Ephesians 4, which ends in walk in love, talks about. The old humanity. Deceptive desires. Lying, anger, stealer, rotten speech, bitterness, anger, it should say not, no. Bitterness, anger, wrath, yelling, blasphemy. And this is what you get with the new humanity. When you're renewed in, your spirit, in the spirit of your mind, you speak truth. You don't allow the sun to set on your anger. You speak words that build others up. You give a gift. There's kindness, compassion, forgiveness. This is where, this is what we should be living in daily. And now the rubber hits the road when you meet people who you don't like, who rub you the wrong way, who offend you, (laughs) who are your enemies. You know what Ephesians says? Aha. Now you get to experience a deeper level of the love of Jesus. You get to experience what he experienced when we reviled against him, when we offended him, and how he still embraced us. This is who we are. You know, in Wakanda, when um, the Black Panther is going to fight for his, his role, and his mom says, show them who you are. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite line. Um, I love her. She should have won the Oscar. Um, Sorry, guys, that was just a tangent. That wasn't from the Lord, that was from me. (laughs) Paul is not saying become something new. He's saying become who you actually are. You've been given a new identity. So show them who you are. Take off the old, put on the new, and show the world who you are. So point three, walk in love. Well, let me say this before I jump to point three. As you can see, well, can we go back to that picture, please, guys? Yes, okay. As you can see on the old self, these are all the things that ruin relationships, right? Lying, stealing, deceiving. And these are all the things that broker new relationship and unity, and peace. But when we're all individually living into this, collectively we create a powerful witness. Because there's no fear then. If I need to address something in my brother or, or my brother needs to address something in me, there's no fear that there's going to be a broken relationship. Amen. There's no shame. There's no trying to defend myself. I don't have to defend myself because he wants my good. Because she wants my good. So I can speak truth and love, and I know that they aren't going to use their words to wound me. 
because they speak with kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. This is the unity that Jesus died on the cross to purchase for us. And this is what the old system, the world system, operates in every single day. We don't have to go that far to see this running rampant. We can go to our phones right now and watch it on social media. And how people are destroying themselves, destroying each other, ruining their mental health because of this. But what if there was a people who were called by God, who received his salvation, lived into his resurrection, and did this? Our world would be vitally changed. And I believe that to the core of me. And so then what, what does Paul say at the end? You can look at that list and be like, man, I'm failing. I don't do that all the time. Me too. But what I love about the Holy Spirit is that we can fall forward. And then he wraps this up at the end and he says, walk in love. Yeah, there's all these things, but at the end of the day, if you are rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus... This isn't something you, you have to muster up. It will be birthed out of your life. Amen? So I want to pray. Because this is a lot. But I do believe that Jesus has called us to this. I do believe that Jesus empowers us to live in this way. Um. But I also know there's, there may be some of us in this room that have failed and we need to repent. But I also know that repentance is a daily practice. It's attached to taking off the old and putting on the new. So let's pray. I'm going to pray for three different groups. I'm going to pray for the group that says, yo, I, we can all bow our heads. Um, the group that says, <clears throat> you know what, I, have, I, I do live in a dissonance. I'm living a double life. I come to church, I check off all the boxes. But in real life, my real life doesn't look anything like what I profess. And tonight, and there's no condemnation, there's no shame. God is calling you back to himself and saying, you can start again. You get a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chance. More than that, 70 times seven chance to come back and start again. If that's you, raise your hand. Yeah, I see that. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Pray this prayer with me. Father, I repent. I'm sorry. I don't want to live this way anymore. Would your Holy Spirit come and revive me? 
God, I turn from all those things that have held me captive and I run to you, Jesus. Today is a new day in Christ Jesus. Lord, I embrace your word. I embrace your ways. And I ask that you would put your yoke on me that I could walk with you. Amen. And now I want to pray for a second group. Maybe you're in and out. You fail sometimes. And you just want to say, Lord, I, I'm committing to taking off the old daily. I'm committing to discipleship, to learning a new way of living. That there's patterns the default patterns in my soul that need to have an overwrite button from you. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah, I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. So let's pray this. God, I thank you um, for the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that right now you are... um, Your love is invading those places that still have fear and are still rooted in the old man. God, I pray that you would uproot those places, that your Holy Spirit would invade it with your resurrection life. God, I pray even right now that the taste for those old things would be removed from them right now. God, that you would remove those old people, that you would remove those old places, that you would remove even the appetite for those things, Jesus. And God, I thank you that each one of these people are committing afresh today and saying, drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm going to walk in your way, Jesus. That you have my whole heart. I'm not holding anything back from you, Jesus, because I know that you're not holding anything out on me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And now I want to pray for the third group. The faithful and the committed. That we would live lives that shine bright. That we would let the aroma of our lives shine forth. That when people come into this place, maybe it's not even at the church, when people encounter you at your workplace, when people encounter you in the grocery store, when people encounter you at the family reunion, when they know who you used to be (laughs) and they want to treat you like that, but you are new, that God, you would let your light and your life shine forth. That they would be bold witnesses of the transformation that has taken place in their hearts. That they wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, you know, but they would say, no, Jesus did this. And you can be transformed too. I know who I used to be. I know what I used to do. I don't go there anymore. I don't do that anymore. And let me tell you about a man who came to save me. God, I pray that we would be bold witnesses, that our love for you would transform the way that we think, the way that we act, the way
the way that we treat ourselves, treat each other, God, that it would transform every single aspect of our lives, even down to the molecular level that people wouldn't even recognize who they are seeing because of the transformation that you've, that you've done in our hearts and our lives. God, I thank you that you're building the people in this room to be a glorious witness of your goodness that people would be drawn to their life. They wouldn't know where these people are coming from, but people would just say, hey, I've watched you. I've seen the way that you treat your kids. I've seen the way that you talk to your husband or talk to your wife. I've seen your integrity in the workplace. I've seen that you don't talk and gossip at the water cooler. What is it about you? And God, that we would be bold to say that it's Jesus. And you can come and taste and see too. Make us these glorious witnesses, God. We want to be who you've purchased for us on the cross. Who you've given the victory and the power to walk as overcomers, as the redeemed. Thank you, Jesus.